welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the She Talks Health podcast. This is your host, Sophie Shepard, founder and CEO of She Talks Health. I am so, so, so happy right now because I get to talk about one of my favorite topics with one of my favorite people, Courtney Mazak. She is absolutely amazing. She is an RDN and an LDN. She's the co-founder and chief product officer at DLoon. Um, and because she's a registered dietitian with a bachelor's degree and a dietetics training at Cornell University, she is super smart and she has decided to dedicate all that smartness to evidence-based cycle health topics. And this company is amazing. Go right now and look them up while we listen to this. It's called Deloon Care, D-E-L-U-N-E Care. That's what their, um, that's what their Instagram handle is. And today we are going to be talking with Courtney about, you guessed it, PMS. Why PMS happens, how to fix it, what is going on with our moods throughout the cycle, what are some nutrients that we can consider throughout the cycle to support our mood and our PMS, how can we use herbs, and we're going to talk about one of my absolute favorite favorite products out there on the market for PMS. It's called Steady Mood, and it's was designed by Deloon and it is changing lives. So we have a lot to talk about. Let's dive right in. Welcome to the show, Courtney. Oh gosh, thank you so much for that generous introduction. And thank you for having me on this podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really, really pumped to have you. Like we connected, I think, gosh, it must have been years ago. Yeah, years ago or a year ago at least. Yeah, I want to say it was like in 2018, 2019. Definitely wow. long before COVID. Yeah, I don't even remember exactly how it happened, but I remember we met on Instagram. And honestly, you were like one of the first person, like people that I genuinely met on Instagram, like for the first time, and then developed a connection from there. So it, yeah, it gave me a lot of hope that this can, things like this can actually happen. And, and they're really great when they do. Yeah, I think maybe your products were, I think your products were at like an apothecary that I was at. And it was like something for menstrual health. And then I like looked in the back and I was like, oh, this company actually knows what they're talking about. And I did a post and I tagged Deloon oh and was like, this is why you need zinc. This is why you need magnesium. Yes. And you were like, no, you know what you're talking about. 
it's like, wow, she knows all the reasons why you need all these important nutrients. Like Sophie gets it. So yeah, that was yeah. So it was kismet. So we're, I'm just super excited to have you on the podcast because this information is obviously like what my favorite topic is. Um, and I think moods and mental health are so needed to be talked about like further than we are now. Yep. So Courtney, um, tell us a little bit about why PMS moods happen. What's going on with hormones in the brain? Yeah. So, well, first, maybe we should back up about, you know, what PMS is. It's, it's really important to understand that PMS is not just one thing. PMS is a cluster of symptoms. It's a lot of things at once. And it could be physical stuff, you know, like bloating, headaches, nausea, back knee, back pain, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, behavioral stuff even too, like fatigue or food cravings, you know, low sex drive, sleep issues, um, or emotional stuff, as we all know that what we're going to talk about today. So these are things like anxiety, depression, irritability, mood swings, confusion, uh, loneliness, aggression, or, you know, probably for most of us, you know, a big mix of all of those things that just kind of leave you with a general feeling of off or not feeling like yourself. And, you know, PMS, you know, it's called premenstrual for a reason. And that's because it could, it could start as early as 10 days before your period even starts and last, you know, as long as your period ends. So for people who are very affected by PMS, that's, you know, only half their life. Uh, and it's also normal for symptoms to change from month to month. So, you know, there's so many different symptoms that are possible. Every, PMS will look different on everybody. Everybody will get kind of a unique symptom profile. And even within the same person, you know, they might not be looking at the same symptoms from month to month. Um, new symptoms may come. Symptoms may kind of fall off or get, you know, randomly really worse. So, yeah, yes, that's okay. kind of you brought that like the four there's four types of PMS as like defined in um the wow what it's uh Lisa Henderson Jack's book. Mm. She she was the first person that taught me that and I thought, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. Never would have thought of that. You just think of the, the bad mood, but not all the other symptoms you just went through. And you're right. It's like yes, it is like truly a head-to-toe mood, brain, body phenomenon. Yes. I'm so glad you I'm so glad you actually went through all those symptoms because women listening, I, I find, and I'm sure you find this too, like most women um, and girls have never really been educated about their periods. We just know that we get some pain and we bleed and, you know, that's kind of all we mostly learn. We don't learn about all the different weeks of the cycle and how big PMS can impact our life. I think sometimes PMS is even more of an impact than, you know, your psych, your, your bleeding phase actually is. So thank you for going through all those steps. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's so, uh, you know, spot on that you bring up just this lap, like gap in, in knowledge about what we're taught, because, you know, in sex ed, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, you know, you're going to get a period once a month. It's definitely going to suck. Uh, here's how to use a tampon. <laughs> you know, that's like basically the gist of what we learned. Um, and what we don't learn is that, you know, yeah, PMS can be a negative experience, but it's definitely not inevitable that it is. Um, and, you know, it's also normal to feel different throughout the month. 
And uh, while a lot of people maybe don't like this, and for those people, there are options like hormonal birth control, which kind of turn off the mechanisms that make you different throughout the month. But I think there's also like a, a poetic beauty in changing uh, and change in general and getting comfortable with change and, and this dynamicism that comes with the menstrual cycle and how, you know, there's variety in it. And, you know, as they say, that is the spice of life. So for me, you know, uh, you know, my journey to kind of taming my PMS is, you know, one, you know, obviously using steady mood, but, but two, like letting go of this expectation of consistency and, uh, you know, just, just letting myself like set the, a new standard for myself, which is like, stay changing. Um, that part isn't going to stop, but instead, you know, the goal isn't to not ever feel different. The goal is to find comfort and clarity in every phase or in oh. liking who you are in, in your months in your luteal phase as much as you do in your follicular. 100%. This might actually be like my favorite topic right now because holy smokes, we are living in a society set up for men and their hormones, <laughs> which are like the same every day mm-hmm. and our shift. And we are like meant to think that that's a bad thing, but it's not, it's not a bad thing. Ladies, we are different. We are four totally different women with each week of our cycle, with each phase of our cycle. There are amazingly positive things about each week. Okay. And <clears throat> you're just so right, Courtney, about embracing that. The second that I understood how my body worked in this sense, and then was able to support my, my cycle through different phases and support my entire life through the different phases. Holy moly, everything opens up, right? I know now that during that luteal phase, I am not going to be like the queen bee party girl. I'm going to be wanting to be more insular. I'm going to be wanting to be at home. I'm going to be wanting to take care of myself, eat more food, take my steady mood. Like (laughs) there's a lot of things. So Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and it's not even that, you know, that is a bad thing. Like one, it's a natural check to the system. You know, it's, it's kind of a forced rest period. You know, it's like a friendly reminder, like, Hey, like slow down. You need this to, you know, turn back on. Um, And two, you know, like the luteal phase, especially, you know, gets a bad reputation because that's usually when PMS will show up, but your luteal phase is also when your intuition is the highest, when you are just operating with more emotional intelligence. So yeah, there really is something to celebrate about every phase. And I think I agree. we can do a lot more yeah. with that. We may have to do a whole other podcast with that, but um, if you guys are interested in that kind of fluctuation from a non like science perspective, but more from like an emotional perspective, there's a really fabulous book that I recommend to Courtney the last time mm-hmm. we spoke wild power. Um, and I particularly love having that book on my nightstand when I am going through the luteal phase, the PMS, you know, potential PMS phase, um, because it reminds me that this is the time when I am the most critical on myself and that that's happening. And like, I'm aware of it. And that is like just a fabulous read. If anyone, um, wants more support there, wild power. Um, I would also highly recommend that book. (laughs) Yes. Good. Okay, good. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but all of that being said, like, yes, the luteal phase is not all bad, but you know, when you feel like your PMS is is pulling you out of your comfort zone, or it just feels untamed, 
you know, your period's messing with your mental health, um, then it's, it's time to maybe call in reinforcements or change up your approach. Because, you know, another thing that they don't teach us in, in sex ed is that, you know, bad PMS is actually your hormones crying out for help. <laughs> they, that is their way of telling you that they need more support. Whereas I think what we've learned and internalized is that bad PMS is just part of the process. It is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no, just because it's common does not mean it's normal or that you have to put up with it. We'll say it yeah. louder. You don't have to put up with it. Yeah. And, you know, your period is considered uh, like a fifth vital sign, which means that it is just as important as things like heart rate and temperature and breathing rate uh, for telling the story of your overall health status. And, you know, your period is is reflective of your hormonal health status specifically, because, you know, you can think of your period as kind of like a direct hotline between your hormones and the outside world. Uh, and, you know, really the whole cycle is a reflection of your hormones because the whole cycle is hormone driven. But, you know, of all the phases, the menstrual phase is really unique in that it is the strongest communicator. You know, it is just loud, proud and impossible to ignore. Whereas the other phases of the cycle are more subtle or, you know, you can't really feel that they're happening. And if you can, like they're really subtle. So the, the period is just kind of this, uh, this this marker you know it's it's kind of something to to lean on and and to um to use to kind of evaluate how well you're supporting your hormones yes i love that the period is the report card and i always when i have a client go through one of my programs and you know they get to about month three which is when we expect to see change um start to happen it's always amazing because they're like wait a second like I wasn't angry at all at my partner, like the week before my period, or like I wasn't hangry or like my period wasn't painful. And all of a sudden they're like, well, what does that mean? I'm like, that means it's working. This is a good report card. Like things are going well. And there's a surprise that that can be their experience. So, so I would love to talk about the mood part of PMS with you today, because that is probably one of the, you know, that hangry or cranky part of like, especially around like our work or our people, our kids, our husband. Um, so let's start with why does the mood part happen? Like what's going on with our hormones and our brain in the luteal phase in the second half of our cycle, right before we bleed that can cause a mood fluctuation. Um, like I'm going to kill you if you look at me wrong. (laughs) Sure. So what's happening with hormones um, is kind of, they're, they're manifesting as PMS moods based on how they're interacting with our neurotransmitters. So neurotransmitters are chemicals that the brain makes. Um, examples would be like serotonin and dopamine, and they help us feel good. They regulate our emotions. So, you know, I think that it's important to understand that, you know, you and your hormones are actually on the same team. Uh, you know, your hormones are not, you know, we don't just have them to cause PMS to make ourselves miserable. You know, our hormones are big assets and throughout the cycle, they are actively improving our moods. So estrogen, for example, the dominant hormone at the beginning of your cycle, you know, that um, helps boost serotonin. Progesterone, the dominant hormone in the latter half of your cycle, that's a very calming hormone that helps stabilize our stress response. So these throughout your cycle, these hormones are improving your mood. What's happening during PMS is essentially a hormonal withdrawal because right before your period, 
your levels of estrogen and progesterone are falling. And that's because, you know, your period happens because you didn't get pregnant that month and your body only bothered to make estrogen and progesterone in the first place in preparation for pregnancy. So if, you know, the egg wasn't, uh, wasn't fertilized and it's like, I don't need these anymore, they will fall. And your body is sensitive to the fact that they are no longer there and it kind of misses them. So that's kind of what is happening um, in terms of the interplay between our hormones, our neurotransmitters, um, and how that plays out right before our period. Cool. I love that. Yeah. And one of the things I also see a lot um, when I run a Dutch test, which is a complete hormone panel, um, which is one of my favorite tools. It's so cool to look at all those hormones. I, I often see, you know, this, you know, estrogen excess in the second half, which we know is not really supposed to be still as high. It shouldn't be as high, it shouldn't be higher than progesterone. And so I see that too, a lot where women aren't making enough progesterone, which is like you said, such a good mood stabilizer because of its interaction with, with GABA in the brain. Um, they have like, they're, I always think of it like estrogen is like that party sister. Mm -hmm. They're like, yeah, like, it's so great to see you, but please go away. Like, (laughs) Very important to have some estrogen, but not too much. Um, and then, you know, progesterone, progesterone does so many important, super helpful, helpful things for us. And, you know, when, when I first learned that like, okay, the hormones are falling right before your period, PMS is essentially a hormonal withdrawal, you know, that feels unavoidable, right? But then I'm also hearing these messages that PMS doesn't need to happen. So, you know, what's the deal with that? The idea is that if you are actually able to make as much progesterone as you're supposed to be making, and, you know, generally speaking, women in our modern world are not, you know, due to things like stressors, inflammation, et cetera. Um, when you're able to really optimize your progesterone levels, even as they're falling, you will still be supported in your mood right up and through your period. So that's kind of the idea. I'm really glad you went back and, and clarified that because people probably were like, wait, but that's what's supposed to happen. Yeah. So, um, like Courtney said, like I, I definitely see this the most is stress. I mean, stress is such a potent progesterone tanker. (laughs) Um, and that really can make us just feel awful in that second half of the cycle. So, okay. So sometimes stress is like unavoidable, right? Like a lot of my clients are dealing with, you know, the death of a loved one or, you know, a divorce or putting their kids through college. And there's, there's a lot going on just in the world right now. So what are some nutrients and herbs that women could consider if they feel like they identify with this PMS mood um, imbalance in the second half of their cycle. Yeah. Well, so when it comes to, you know, things that could help, you really want to take stock of all of the things that could harm. Um, so you kind of know what you're dealing with and you want to know what to target. So, you know, PMS responds really well to natural treatment and it can respond really quickly. You just have to kind of know what you're dealing with. So some common culprits behind, you know, hormonal imbalances that could lead to worsened PMS would be, you know, like you said, stress is a huge one, um, inflammation, uh, low nutrient levels, surprisingly, uh, sleep disturbances, or, you know, in some cases, if you have an underlying gynecological condition like endometriosis or PCOS, that can do it too. So as far as, you know, what 
we can do um, outside of, you know, medical treatment. Uh, it's supplementing with the nutrients that have been tied to worse off PMS, reducing the inflammation with nutrients and herbs that reduce inflammation, uh, and managing the stress with adaptogenic herbs that help our body cope with stress better. So that's really how study mood works is it kind of is working from a few different angles here it's it's supporting your body through a healthy ovulation because you know as you've probably educated your listeners before uh when we we can't make that healthy hormone progesterone without ovulation so that's why we we, we need to you know support those egg cells with all the nutrition that they need to grow up and be released so we can optimize our progesterone levels um, and then we also want to address the stress and inflammation that can turn off ovulation completely because, you know, ovulation is, uh, you know, that happens when our body senses that the world and our environment is safe enough to bring a baby into the world. But if we're super stressed out, then our body will know that that is, isn't the case that cycle. So that's one aspect of it. Another aspect is, like I said, supplementing with those nutrients that the research finds that people with PMS are low in, and and three, um, using herbs strategically uh, to more so directly uh, offer therapeutic benefit to some of um, the symptoms that are really common during PMS. Uh, so you know to get kind of get into more of the nutrients uh, and some ones that I really love and and you know why I put them in study mood. Um, you know, B6 is, is one of those nutrients that, uh, has been linked, low B6 levels has been linked to worse off PMS. Um, and you know, B6, you know, comes pretty easily in food. So you might not think that low levels are that common. It's important to note that there's a big difference between having a, a deficiency in a nutrient and just simply having in optimal levels that don't necessarily support your menstrual health to a point where your period is easier. We have to stop there because this is something I say so much. I feel like I just need to cut that part of this audio out and send it to every woman I talk to. Okay. On the back of your multivitamin ladies, the amount needed for the day is basically so you don't die. <laughs> that is optimal amount. Okay. So I have this conversation all the time. Oh yeah, I'm taking B vitamins. Okay. We look at the back of their B, B vitamins and their B6. Percent. Yep. Four grams. Like, no, the optimal amount is like a hundred milligrams a day or something. You know, it's like, you have to, you really have to look at that. And, and I mean, there's a million reasons you might not be absorbing that. That's why I always start with the gut to yep. impact our hormones because it doesn't matter how many amazing steady mood pills you're taking. If your gut is leaky, you're, you're not going to absorb it well. Yeah. Um, so that goes back to that inflammation, but yeah, you are, Oh, I love that you brought that up because we have to think about optimal levels, not just, you know, I'm pass, kind of passing by and I am surviving. <laughs> yes. And there is such a difference between using supplements to not die, you know, just support general health, basic chemical functionings, and then using supplements therapeutically for a specific benefit. So, and B6 is such a great example of this because there is quite a bit of B6 in study mood. Uh, there is 50 milligrams, which is, uh, you know, over 2000% of the daily value. And, and customers will sometimes ask like, 
whoa, that is so much B6. Is that okay? And like one, yes, it is a water soluble vitamin. It is almost impossible to have too much. If you have, if you, you know, have extra, you just pee it out. Um, but you might not be peeing out as much as you think you are because the research shows that we need all close to macro doses of B6 to, mm-hmm. uh, to make a difference for PMS. And I, you know, as a product formulator, I get really frustrated with the supplement industry sometimes because I think that a lot of supplement brands will kind of grab on to, you know, the halo effect of the ingredient or kind of the general buzz of the ingredient and be like, hey, we're using this great ingredient. And like, yeah, that's good. But they're offering it in an amount that is so not meaningful at all and is probably not going to do anything. So whenever possible, I'm using the exact same amounts that the researchers who did the clinical trials for the PMS used in their participants. So yeah. And I, and I, and I so wish that more supplements would formulate that way. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and you, um, you, you guess you get B6 from food, but you're not getting a therapeutic dose because what is coming from food is just, uh, really just pales in comparison to what you would really need to manage PMS. 100, 100%. And I agree with you. I always do between 50 and hundred milligrams of B6, um, for people with severe PMS, um, mm-hmm. but there's other, there's other nutrients that we need. There's magnesium, there's zinc. And I know those are also in, um, in your product. Can you talk a little bit about why a woman would need magnesium, um, in the second half of her cycle? I know, um, okay. I, I'm almost positive. I, and I, you probably, you know, the research better maybe than I do, but I'm almost positive that I saw research come out that showed that women need more magnesium in the second half of their cycle. Um, I know obviously magnesium is also potent at stabilizing sleep and mood and also blood sugar, which is another thing that goes really haywire in the second half, which can certainly make you feel very hangry. (laughs) So so spot on with all of those magnesium points. Um, first to your point where, yes, you do need more magnesium in the latter half of your cycle uh, because your nutrient needs, your nutrient levels of circulating nutrients are are in flux throughout your cycle. Um, and that is just part of the, that comes with the fact that as cycling people, we are always changing and we have different demands to support things like ovulation. So zinc and magnesium are excellent examples of this. Um, because zinc, for example, supports the ovaries. So we see a dip in zinc levels after ovulation in the luteal phase uh, because more was used up to support the ovaries through ovulation. Magnesium uh, research shows that our levels are the highest during our period, so right at the beginning of our cycle, and then they are just gradually falling throughout the rest of the cycle. So so yes, that is why it is correct that by the latter half of your cycle, your magnesium stores are much lower. Um, (laughs) Meanwhile, magnesium is doing so many important things to help make your uh, cycle more manageable when you do get to to the luteal phase, that it is so important to be supplementing with magnesium throughout the entire cycle so that that dip isn't really so much of a dip anymore. And this is why uh, study mood is a daily multivitamin. 
because we sometimes also get questions like, listen, like I'm only getting PMS, you know, for a week of the month. Why am I taking this all the time? And it's because your nutrient levels are fluctuating and those dips happen before PMS shows up. So if you wait until you're PMSing to take uh, to support, you know, your cycle, that's too late. You really need to be supporting while the dips are at or it really at all phases of your cycle so that those dips don't happen at all. Hundred percent. I, I really appreciate you going into that because I'm sure someone is going to ask that question. Um, so we've kind of talked about B6, magnesium, zinc, which is probably the top three for me. Um, are there any other nutrients or herbs that you like to, um, you know, give to your, to, to, to people you work with for PMS, um, that are either in study mood or not, or what, what is, what else does the research show? Yeah. So, um, calcium is another one that I like because we have these really big data sets from, uh, nurses studies. So the nurses study is a very famous study of thousands. I want to say it was like three or 4,000 nurses who gave all their health data for a number of years. And, uh, you know, a number of spinoff studies have been done with that data. One of which has been, uh, studying their PMS severity and their nutrient levels. So they found that, uh, there's a very direct correlation between calcium and PMS severity where People that get the worst PMS have the worst or have the lowest levels of circulating calcium. Uh, so, you know, not only does that suggest that the more calcium we have, the less PMS we have, uh, but other studies have also studied calcium as just a standalone PMS remedy where they gave calcium supplements to people with PMS and then see, saw how well that they did. And they performed really well. You know, they found that they had less mood swings, bloating cravings and pain um, after they were taking calcium. And, you know, like, uh, you know, unlike B6, um, but more so like zinc, you know, calcium and zinc are both nutrients that are, that can be tricky to get from the diet, um, especially if you are avoiding things like dairy or animal products, um, because calcium is mostly in dairy products. And we can't, we can meet our calcium needs with dairy products alone, but that's like a solid four servings of dairy, um, which is a lot of dairy in general. Very, Um, very much dairy. And that might not be good for everyone, right? They can have sensitivities and inflammation from dairy. Totally. Yeah. So for those people, um, a calcium supplement may be an option. Um, and then, uh, And then, you know, these herbs too, like, yes, we want to, we want to address nutrient deficiencies. We want to capitalize on the nutrients that have been studied for direct PMS relief. Um, But, you know, I I love using a combination of herbs and nutrients because the herbs kind of tackle the issue from a different approach where they're providing more of a, of a kind of a direct relief. So rhodiola is a great example um, rhodiola is an adaptogenic herb and adaptogens help our bodies, uh, cope with stress. So they help regulate our stress response. So this is working, uh, to thwart PMS in an indirect way. And in that we all know how catastrophic stress can be on our hormonal health, which will later show up as period problems in PMS. Um, but rhodiola has also been studied for, uh, things like, fatigue and brain fog, trouble concentrating, um, which are all just really 
common issues uh, when you're PMSing. So I, I love it for PMS moods. Um, it is one of the only ingredients in study mood that hasn't been studied for PMS relief specifically, um, because that's kind of how I formulate. I, I do big literature searches about all the PMS research, and then I'm looking for you know natural ingredients uh, that have the best evidence based on all those studies. So um, I was still attracted to rhodiola, even though we don't have data from a PMS specific audience, uh, we do have data in, in populations with clinical anxiety and depression. Uh, and this piqued my interest, uh, because, well, <laughs> if you, if, you know, you can treat somebody with clinical anxiety or depression, that probably bodes well for somebody who's dealing with similar issues, maybe not at the clinical degree during PMS. And, you know, I also need to note here that as a supplement, you know, the goal of any supplement should never be to cure, treat, or prevent a disease, uh, including depression or anxiety disorders. Uh, that is not what supplements are for. Um, but just the fact that this data exists uh, made it a, a pretty great fit for this formula. Um, I love you talked about that. And yeah, you know, everyone listening, supplements are awesome, but they're there to supplement, right? And they are not there to replace medical diagnoses, medical um, opinions, and, and, and what you need to be doing for your mental health, especially. Yeah. Um, but I love the rhodiola because I'm a huge fan of adaptogens and I take a lot of like medicinal mushrooms and <laughs> adaptogens and people are always, you know, sending me stuff like that. And I love rhodiola. Like it just, it's really a peaceful and calming herb. And you brought something up that um, I think most women listening who have PMS or just, you know, basically just normal can ex experience brain fog. Um, most women feel a little brain foggy right before their period, about three days before their period. Um, and I think, you know, adaptogenic herbs are so powerful at helping our brain function well. So I love that there's rhodiola in this formula. Um, it's just incredible. I mean, this formula is so incredible. I, I really, really like it. And I like that it's based on the, on the research and, um, and that I think is why it's so popular and why I see so much success for it with my clients. Yeah. It just clears the head in such an energizing way. And I, and I love it. Um, another herb that I really love that's also in steady mood is saffron. So saffron is, uh, it's a spice. Um, it's a super vibrant shade of like a red orange and, you know, fun fact, brightly orange or brightly colored spices and fruits and vegetables generally are antioxidants because the pigments mm -hmm. themselves are, have antioxidant activity. Um, but yeah, or saffron earns its place in this formula because, uh, you know, similar to rhodiola, uh, it's been studied for, you know, kind of gone head to head for, uh, with Prozac for depression relief. Um, again, you know, not here to cure clinical depression. We can't do that. But, um, you know, this data was really interesting to me because it, it really validates Saffron's uh, mood lifting properties, which is what, you know, historically, culturally, it's been used for. Uh, so, yeah. And, and Saffron is also a cool one because it, it has been studied for PMS relief specifically. Um, and it's done great in those studies. It's, it's, uh, it's lowered irritability, headaches, cravings, pain. Um, and it was also been studied for people with overactive appetites for like curbing or curbing, uh, cravings specifically like sugar, carb cravings. 
which we know is so super uh, heavy in that luteal phase. So that's a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you explained the saffron because I always wondered about that one too. And I was like, I don't really know why that's in there, but I trust Courtney's. (laughs) That's cool that that's in there. Um, Yeah. It's just amazing. What about, um, what about like, you know, we talked about all these nutrients, zinc, B6, magnesium from a supplement perspective. You also mentioned, of course, calcium and, and dairy products and that, that, that can or cannot be, you know, sometimes that's inflammatory for some people. What are some other like nutrients that you love to see women eat, like from a, um, from just a nutrition perspective in this world of um, your cycle? Yeah. So I love dark leafy greens, cruciferous vegetables, uh, for cycle health. Um, and these are because these are some of the most nutrient dense foods nature has to offer. They just really pack a huge nutrient punch. And with that, you're going to get nutrients like magnesium and zinc that are just so important for easy periods and overall cycle health. Um, With cruciferous vegetables in particular, you'll also get a nutrient called DIM, which helps stabilize estrogen. So that helps uh, kind of Uh, regulate that ratio of progesterone to estrogen that you mentioned earlier and make sure that estrogen is metabolized in the rate that it's supposed to be so that it doesn't build up and get too high. I love that. Yeah. And I think cruciferous vegetables, especially broccoli sprouts are probably my favorite. That and raw carrots, I think are probably my two favorite things to recommend for estrogen metabolism. Yes. Um, Because people are always like, really? I could just like eat a raw carrot or like a handful of broccoli sprouts? I'm like, yes, you can. And that will help. Yeah. And like raw carrots, broccoli sprouts, even, uh, you know, dark leafy greens, really any fruit or vegetable is also going to offer fiber, uh, which will help regulate our bowels, increase fecal bulk. And uh, the fact that we poop regularly is also so important for estrogen metabolism, too, because that's how we clear out the estrogen that we no longer need to make sure that those ratios stay where they should be. I love that you mentioned that too, because I talk about this with my clients all the time. We run GI maps and I'll see their beta glucuronidase is really high, which is a super fancy, fun word (laughs) to basically talk about how we are completely undoing what the liver has done for us in packaging up estrogen and other toxins and, and excess hormones. And I'm like, all right, we gotta, we gotta get that, you know, those, the fiber in there, we got to make sure that your fiber is binding up with the bile and helping pull out all that estrogen that you don't need anymore so that you can ditch the PMS. And I think that that in combination with a supplement, um, is super, super powerful, like shifts. People feel that really fast because it's usually just one or two little tweaks that we can make. And it's like a whole world of difference where a woman is able to get through that week without all of this mood issues and really be able to capitalize on that from a work perspective and from a perspective of maybe being a mom or a partner to somebody or a friend to somebody um, without all the nasty moods. So I love, I love the food suggestions too. Yeah. And it is, it's really refreshing that like, you know, there are really no quick fixes when it comes to hormonal health, but it does really continue to surprise me that the power of natural medicine can offer like pretty relative, like relatively quick relief when you, when you are doing the right things. Um, you know, people will often ask, you know, how long until you see a difference with steady mood? And it really depends. You know, if you are dealing with the nutrient deficiencies, uh, that have been linked to PMS and that steady mood helps address probably in a couple weeks, um, if that, 
if uh, you know you're dealing with hormonal imbalances as a result of you know not making enough progesterone, not ovulating regularly, um, you know that's kind of where we start playing the long game, which is where the magic really happens, uh, because you know it really takes about three cycles uh, to kind of get to the root and and fully optimize your cycle um, to to you know produce easy periods. So, yeah, so it, it's the, you know, period health is really a long-term project. There, there is hope for, uh, you know, to make it easier in the short term, but if you are, you're, you know, trying to make it easier in the long term, then it, it's, it's about healthy, consistent habits, like pretty much everything else. Yeah, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with you. And that's what I see too. I usually see a pretty good increase in a few weeks um, and then it gets better from there. <laughs> Over time. And it gets better from there. Yeah. Well, awesome. This has been super helpful. I feel like we did such a big deep dive on all the nutrients needed to help with PMS, what PMS is. We talked about the PMS mood connection, why that happens, um, the cycle in general. I think we definitely have to have you back just to talk about our aligned missions, you guys, which is of course like up leveling and improving women's menstrual cycles and also just the relationship they have with their whole cycle, not just their period. Right. Um, and this has just been so fun. I, I love geeking out about this stuff and I feel like it just gives people really tangible things that they can grab onto and be like, Oh yeah, I can do this or I can do that. I could add leafy greens. I could try this supplement if it's okay with my doctor, like all these different things that women gives women authority. And I, I appreciate you for making it so easy for them. Absolutely. And I appreciate you for being the educator that you are consistently dishing out quality information that is, can be really life-changing. Um, you know, I know for me, like there, I learned almost everything I know about the menstrual cycle, you know, after the age of 25. And I just wish that I could have known my entire life. Same. I am. I'm actually in, I was very lucky. I'm very lucky right now to be coaching a 16 year old and I'm teaching her about how to track her cycle and cervical mucus and basal body temperature, food she can eat to improve. And she actually is doing it. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's only they, you know, to full circle back to sex ed, if only they, you know, really gave the menstrual cycle the attention that it deserves. That I think that societally our, our whole perceptions about what we, how we approach it would change. Mm-hmm. I a hundred percent agree with you. And that's one of my bigger missions in the world is to be able to educate um, young, young girls in, in their teenage years before, before we get to age 25 and we're like, Hey, what the heck is up with this period thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, we're so conditioned to just completely ignore our cycles until something goes wrong with them. Where if the message was like, this is an asset that you can tap into whenever you want and if it is giving you trouble, that just means you, it needs a little bit more support. Uh, and, you know, the things that support your cycle also support your overall health. So it's really just a win overall. Yes, 100%. Well, is there anything else that you want to leave the listeners with? Maybe let them know where they can find Steady Mood and your products. Um, I believe that we have a discount code for them as well. So yes. where people go? So you can shop for Steady Mood at deloon.co. So deloon is D-E-L-U-N-E. And then we're a .co rather than a .com uh, or also on Amazon. 
we have um, Study Mood, the product that we have talked at length about today. We also have a product called Cramp Aid, um, which unlike Study Mood, which is a daily multivitamin, Cramp Aid is a fast acting use as needed um, product for period cramps. So you would take it similarly like you would a painkiller as in you take it when your cramps arise. Um, but it is not a painkiller in that it is drug-free and uses just nutrients and herbs like study mode. Um, so yes, you can shop us at Dulun.co. You can shop us on Amazon. You can use the code Sophie Shepherd, all caps, uh, for 15% off. Uh, and if you want more information about the menstrual cycle, uh, natural approaches to managing period problems, and our products, you can follow us on Instagram at Daloon Care. Yay, awesome. We'll drop your Instagram link and your uh, main uh, your main website link. And then, yeah, you guys can use my name, Sophie Shepard, and it's 15% off, which is really cool. And you can give it a try, see if it works for you. I hope this has been helpful. Um, thank you so much, Courtney, for, for your time today. Gosh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I would, it, this has been such a pleasure. Good. Yeah, me too. It's a great way to end the Friday before Labor Day. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and thank you, everyone who's listening to this. Um, we appreciate you spending some time learning about your cycle. We hope this has been super, super helpful for you, um, as all the podcasts are. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks with another episode of the She Talks Health Podcast. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you.